Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We've come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Who will conquer Fort Boyard? So today we are doing Conquer Fort Boyard. Yes, which didn't have a lot of good quotes. Could you tell? Yes. Uh, this was this is a very notable game show in other parts of the world. Uh, this is the American port. Yes. The American attempt. Yes, indeed. So let's start by pouring one out. Yes. What do you got there, Lara? Uh, I have the underwater treasure. Okay. It is a murky blue, green, purple slushy. Nice. Because I wanted a slushy. That makes sense. What do you, what you got? I got the Fort Boyard Tiger. Ooh. It is orange juice with no bite, which means there's no alcohol in it. Because it's New Year's Day, and Noah doesn't want to drink anymore. Mmm. <laughs> Sweet orange juice keeping me alive. How wonderful. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you good? No. <laughs> but I'll get through this, I promise. All right. Let's jump right into this, I guess. And uh, let's talk about Conquer. Foyt. Foyt. Weird. See, I'll be fine. <laughs> so, this was filmed in 1991, but was not broadcast until 1993 on ABC. Okay. Uh, there's international versions of it all over the world. It's, mm. it's very interesting because often uh, these kinds of game shows originate in either America or the UK. Right. And proliferate. And usually the American ones are among the most successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable exception being Taskmaster, uh, which is something I do feel like we're eventually going to do here. Yes. American Taskmaster. But uh, this never really totally took off here. Yeah. But Th- this feels like a mix of so many other shows. Yeah. And I'll shout them out when I see it. Uh, and like... Some of my comparisons are unfair because they're shows that come after this, but you'll see a lot of things that feel like share a source code with other shows. Now, we are focusing on the U.S. Like, there is a lot of context to the show, mm-hmm. but for our particular format, uh, it's not really fair to try to cover easily over 10 versions of this show right, on this right. podcast. So we are really focusing on the U.S. pilot. Yeah, I wanted to see if this pilot stood alone without putting it on the pedestal of its past yeah. uh, incarnations. So we meet our hosts, and they are on a helicopter on the south of France. Yes, it is Chris Bourbon and Kathy Lee Crosby, which I immediately thought it's a little strange in 1991 to be going by Kathy Lee when you could have just been going by Kathy because Kathy Lee was very famous at this time as the host of Regis and Kathy Lee. 
that being entirely fair, Kathy Lee Crosby had been working for years at this point. Oh, really? I didn't recognize Kathy Lee Crosby. I knew Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> yeah, like, Kathy Lee Crosby had been a professional tennis player and oh. repeated on various TV shows. She was the original television Wonder Woman. Really? In the pilot film before Linda Carter got the TV role. Interesting. So, like... Apologies for my ignorance. She was also a guest commentator on WrestleMania 2. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> uh, be, WrestleMania 2 is, is an interesting WrestleMania because it took place in three locations. Yes. Uh, she is replaced later in that show by Elvira. Oh, that sounds kind of incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's neat. Uh... All right, so I I really apologize for my my ignorance. Yeah, uh, they Kathy Lee Crosby actually really her career started almost a decade before Kathy Lee Giffords really became. All right, so Kathy Lee, you're Kathy Lee Gifford. You're the one who messed up. You could have just been Kathy. Uh, usually, when that happens, it's because of there's another Kathy Gifford in the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, that's true. Usually, if somebody has their middle name or middle initial, it's because mm-hmm. someone yeah. had their name, like Michael J. Fox, because yes. of the other Michael Fox. Uh, so they throw Kathy out of a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and our first challenge, and Chris Berman just yeets her out of a helicopter. Yeah, like they're trying to create the reality that they didn't tell Kathy that this is what was about to happen. But there's no way that's real. There's no way that that's real. <laughs> and we we kind of get the background of Fort Boyard. It was Napoleon's super fortress defending the wine country of Bordeaux. And it was a prison for dangerous criminals. Think Alcatraz. Yeah, it's French Alcatraz. 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 <laughs> it's New Year's Day and we're a little silly, guys. Yeah. I don't even have drinking last night to blame. <laughs> I This is just what I am. I do, so forgive me. <laughs> So, we meet our two teams. We have the pink team, who are the untouchables. Yeah. And we have the green team, which are the cavaliers. And because there's a football team, a football team called the cavaliers? I keep calling them the Cavs. The Cavs, right. Because that's what they call them in. Uh, Also, uh, this is 1993... Or 1991 when this is filmed. So the cameras are a basketball good. team. They're a that's, basketball team. I don't know a lot about sports. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I had a lot to drink last night. Uh, so uh, since it's 1991, the cameras are not very good. And the exact shade of pink, like that neon pink and neon green that they're wearing, oh. does not interact with the camera very well. Yeah, it's the, the Grinch set all over again. Yeah, it kind of creates, like, almost a blurring effect of whenever they do anything. So, that's fun. <laughs> uh, we are then treated to our first competition, and basically the competition is all about obtaining keys. Yes. Uh, so oh, also, like, their passports are locked up. They're- oh, yeah, there's this weird thing about, like, we're, we'll give them back to you later. The good news, you're here at Fort Boyard. The bad news, you cannot leave. The waves are high, the boats are gone, your passports, we've got them locked away. <laughs> you cannot escape Fort Boyard. Like, you can't escape Fort Boyard. How would, okay, even if I had my passport, what good is it going to be to me at this moment? <laughs> yeah. It's not a cell phone with aquatic Uber. No, it certainly isn't any of those things. Is there 
there boat Uber? Boober? I don't think so. That's a fraggle. That's a fraggle. You're you're thinking of a fraggle. Generally. So. (laughs) Usually thinking about a fraggle. That's not unfair. uh, So. (laughs) This has really gone off the rails already. I'm trying to come back to it. Let's get to our first competition. Yes. So the first thing they have to do is zip line off the top of Fort, Fort Boyard into the water. Uh, where it's like a relay race, mm-hmm. and they call this the slide for life. It's a zip line. For the life of me, I can't remember where I know that term from. The slide for life. I want to say it's American Gladiators because there's a big slide in that. The Navy Seal experience. I, I see. I googled already, and that was not what I was looking for. There was a game show that had a slide for life. I think it was American Gladiators, because I know that they had a big plastic slide for a while. But it might have been, uh, like, Legends of the Hidden Temple. I could totally imagine there being a slide for life there. Maybe Masters of the Maze. I doubt that it's Double Dare. Sidebar, when you search Slide for Life game show on YouTube, it's all things about that slip and slide game show that didn't happen because of the diarrhea. Yeah. Release it, you cowards. We have to do a podcast about it. I don't it. want to watch the diarrhea show. Yes, I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, See, I do. told you. Uh, but yeah, if someone out there knows what the slide for life is from, please let us know. So they have to go down the zip line and tag or jump onto a, uh, like a, a wave runner. Yes. The wave runner then has to go and pick up a flag, which signals someone to climb like the mast of a boat. And the first person to do that gets a key. Then there's like a wall back into Fort Boyard. So I just want to point out that they have successfully escaped Fort Boyard in the first couple moments. They went over the wall. They got into the ocean. They grabbed a wave runner and got to a boat. Technically, you can very easily escape Fort Boyard. But then then you're sort of like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. Back to Fort Boyard. And then they have this other part where the last members of the team climb a wall back into Fort Bayard. And there's this mechanic of as you climb, there are keys out of the way you can get, but you only get to keep them if you win the race up the wall. Yes. And winning the race up the wall is also worth a key. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a nice like risk-reward mechanic that's in this. Um, all the things I just described happen. I I can't really tell you like anything monumentally exciting that happens during these moments. It's they they kind of do, it it's well edited to have some level of suspense because at mm-hmm. first uh green is the uh the cavaliers are absolutely wrecking the untouchables and like green gets a head start, pink gains on them quick and then they point out now it's Thor's turn as he has a big head start on Bobby during practice, Bobby was the superior climber. Can he catch him up the 40-foot mast? I really hate that they say this. I know. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Because I knew it would upset you. Uh, during practice, Bobby was the superior climber. It's like, well, don't... It ruins the illusion of the show to say practice. Yeah. In the training trials. In the auditions. Yeah. But like... Do not imply that this is the second time they've done this. So just like, because I I thought back of the show uh, Dog Eat Dog. 
In Dog Eat Dog, one of the big, like, plot points of it was the fact that all of you went to, like, a training camp together so that you could show what your skills were and you could show what your weaknesses were because you got voted into competitions and stuff like that. And that made, like, narrative sense for the show. Having rehearsals and practice uh, for this show hurts the narrative of this show. Absolutely. Like, it, I agree. Yeah, so, so did I, not care I, I kind of thought you still had sentence, but I no. wanted you to know that I was listening. Uh, it absolutely does wreck the narrative of like, yo, we did this once. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think the major thing that's missing from all of this is plot. Yes. Like, I understand, like, oh, you're going to get keys. And the keys thing makes sense later. But, like, I thought back to, like, Legends of the Hidden Temple when you do the temple games. There was always, like, a bit of narrative to explain the reasons you're doing these things. Yes. In this, it's like, you're doing this because it's today's challenge. Yeah. Like, like... So this kind because of because reasons. Yeah. So this kind of floats in this weird limbo between Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts. Because you don't need a narrative for Guts because you can believe that this is just sports. Yeah. And like the competitions don't have to make a lot of sense in Legends of the Hidden Temple because they tie to the legend or whatever. Yeah. This is somewhere in between where it's just like you're kind of just doing stuff that looks cool on camera. Absolutely. And it 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 just kind of ruined the immersion. Uh, so it does come down to this like nice photo finish mm-hmm. where one team gets on top of the wall at quicker but doesn't grab the flag. Yeah, but doesn't like hit. I, I kept wanting to say hit the actuator because <laughs> no. I grew up on like guts. No, it's definitely more double dare grab the flag yeah. in this situation. Um, and, and this like last part is clearly just the wall from American Gladiators. Yes, that's all. It's it's rock climbing. And, like, I understand that this is old, so, like, the quality of the footage is not great. hmm But I can't see where these other keys are. No. So I can't be like, ooh, it's worth the risk to reach out and grab that key at this moment. Uh, so, basically, by the end of this, it ends up that each team ends up with a key. Yes, because uh, the pink team... Got the one on top of the net first. Yeah, on top of the ship. And then the green team won the whole event. Yeah. So it's 1-1. I have the note of, wait, who won? Why does green celebrate? Yeah, it took us a long time to try to figure out what happened here. Well, that's some shit. (laughs) And we get like a replay where the two hosts are giving us like play-by-play and strategy. Yeah. And I found this especially annoying because they start with the zip line off the top of the building. And they're like, let's look at a replay of the start by Lisa and Rochelle. Now, Lisa shows incredible strength here because she keeps her body in a perfect L shape throughout the entire slide. And then in the next shot, they're both in the exact same position because they're harnessed in that way. Yes. Like the first event of this whole relay race is a ride. And the idea that they're trying to be like, ooh, they did it better. It's like, no. Stop trying to tell me that she fell better, that she used gravity more. Well, they talk about, like, how they held their arms, and it actually sounded like you talking about Fear Factor, about how you gripped that thing when you were in Fear Factor Live. Right. So they try to just, like, 
They are using some sound strategy to justify it. Yeah, here's the thing. They're not because you can see them letting go and staying on the zip line because they're harnessed in. Yeah, but I, I'm saying they're trying. <laughs> I'm not saying... I'm saying they're lying. <laughs> like, you can clearly see the part where she lets go, doesn't fall, and unhooks herself so that she can go into the water. Like, we have eyes, is what I'm saying. Yes. I'm saying I can see what they're attempting to do. Yes. They're attempting to lie, and I'm smarter than them. So, the next time we uh, we come back from commercial to find the uh, the green team is in, is locked up in, or, yes, the green team is locked up in a tower, so they can't see anything. And then the pink team is about to send a character into the Dark Labyrinth. The Dark Labyrinth. And she is, the, the runner is dressed up, and I can only describe her as Tron. Yes, they have like a Tron outfit on. What I understand... Two minutes and 15 seconds to get in and get the key. Once they get the two keys, the smaller key activates their flashlight so they can get out. Yes. Faster. And so it's a pitch black maze. The Mm -hmm. only light they have is the flashlight that they can't use until like halfway through. And a sparkler... That lasts 15 seconds. That lasts 15 seconds. But they can hear, uh, they they have night vision cameras on and their teammates can help guide them. Yes, because they have a map and there's like a weird computer drawing of where they are. And what we're seeing is not night vision. No. It's like just weird, almost like flipped contrast vision. Everything that's black is white and everything is white is black. It's It's very confusing. If you thought you couldn't see anything during Murder in Small Town X, hold my beer. Yeah. And so this the team has to guide them through a maze in pitch black using the map that they have and this like drawing, which I'm not sure if they have the drawing. That might have been just for us. They have some way of seeing. It's it's very confusing what this is I not I think they do have a map. They, uh, they have, like, a wooden map in front of them. Yes. What I'm wondering is if they had that, like, active GPS thing where you saw the lines being drawn. I sort of doubt that. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, <laughs> weird screaming and not understanding what is supposed to be happening here. Uh, you can't see any of it. You just hear a lot of screaming. That's my experience. Yes. Uh then the one girl makes it to uh, the skelly man who has a key in their mouth. That's where the key's hidden. Yep. And she grabs the key and punches the skeleton in the face. I'm like, yeah, punch that skelly yeah, man. Yeah, I was like, and he's evil. And immediately you're like, yes, this is my favorite yes, character. Yes, punch that evil skelly man. And then she has the flashlight, so it should be easier, but it doesn't help us see anything. So sure it doesn't. doesn't help her. And then. The instructions that are yelled are... Walk. Now turn left. Turn left? Yes, your first place. Turn left. Turn left? Yes, turn left. 30 seconds. Turn left? 30 seconds. Which way? Left. Left. Which is a circle. Four lefts is a circle. What are they doing? And they're all shouting over each other as well. And then just like on pure instinct... She does get out in time. 
Yes. Like, just barely. Yeah, she makes it out by the hair of her chinny-chin-chin. So, the pink team uh, grabs a key. Yeah. And they interview her, like, so what did you see in there? And I was like, nothing. It was pitch black. What are you talking about? And her response is... What did you see in there? What did you think you saw in there? Um, goblins and goblins and <laughs> boogeyman. I was like, that's a great sentence. Uh, so this was not super interesting to watch, and now we have to watch it again. Yes. So <laughs> the green team shows up, and the host... Yeah, here we are with Tony Ayabareno. Looking better than Barbarella ever did, I might add. Which is really, like, he's honestly a little concerning to this particular player. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my next note, sir! <laughs> because, like, Barbarella, if you've seen Barbarella, it's not really an appropriate reference. No. To make to a woman competitor on your TV show. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think what would be It's the... literally, like, there is no more sexualizing reference mm-hmm. of a film character yeah. at that time. You look like Jessica Rabbit. Actually, no, Barbarella is worse, because Barbarella, canonically, has a lot of sex. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit is a loyal spouse. <laughs> you look like Belle Delphine. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to think of another... Heavily, we don't do that as much. Yeah, like, like, I'm trying to think of a contemporary character sexualized on that level. Yeah, and I can't really think of one off the top of my head. No, because like Barbarella genuinely has sex in a yeah. way that, like, when you mention Jessica Rabbit, no, Jessica Rabbit's a loyal spouse who's only with her husband. Mm-hmm. So. We have to watch this again. Yeah. And the girl's running through this maze in the dark. We can't see anything. She can't see anything. She's getting lost. And the whole time, the host is yelling, 45 seconds! 40 seconds! 35 seconds! I thought that was her team. No, it's the host. Because, once again, I'm doing a Stay Doom show where I have to say... Why isn't there a clock? There is no clock on screen. It's just the host yelling. Like looking at at a watch as he times. Just, it's such a simple thing to fix. And the fact that they don't do that is very sad and very wrong. Yeah. I, I genuinely thought that was her, uh, colleagues trying to help her. No. But it's all for naught because she makes it out about two seconds late. Yeah, so they fail to get a key. And one guy just, like, throws a temper tantrum. Yes. He's like, damn! And he starts, like, jumping up and down. It's like, okay. is is This is at a time before, like, they knew how to do these shows and make characters. So I don't believe this is them getting the direction, like, have a big reaction for camera. I think this is a man very upset that he didn't get his key. Yes. It's very awkward. So then we get to the next challenge, and it is bungee jumping. It is a bungee jumping for two keys. Yes. They will, they have like, instead of it being hooked to like their feet, Mm -hmm. like you'd imagine with a bungee cord, it's kind of on their hips. Yeah. 
So you kind of jump off and then spring back up. And then on the rebound, you are supposed to grab a key. Yeah. This is a guts game. It really is. Like, this is exactly a game from guts. Do, 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 do you have so this, like, was attempting to steal the crown of the leader of Elastic Sports from guts. So... Could have really used Mo. Yes. So, again, we have this kind of thing where, okay, bungee jumping, interesting. And they build it up, and the first guy does it, and he goes down, and he bounces, and he grabs the key. And it was interesting. And now, we just have to watch it happen again. Yeah, that's the issue, is these are not that interesting to watch. Like... Because if you compare it to, like, Fear Factor, Fear Factor often, like, you're watching the same stunt over and over again. Yeah. But the result is not binary. In this one, it's either you get the key or you don't. In Fear Factor, it's usually, like, do it faster or get more of something. Instead of it just being, like, the one goal, there are many goals. Yes. So... Seeing it the second time is just kind of, like, boring. It is kind of interesting that he misses on the first bounce, and on the second bounce he grabs it with his feet. Yeah. Which is like, oh, fun, cool. But, and once again, we have to see a replay of everything. Mm -hmm. And the commentators are like, look at the great strategy here. He jumps off with the bungee cords. And then bounces his back way back up, using his arms to pull him up by pulling on those bungee cords. I was like, this isn't strategy. This is how you do it. Yeah. That's kind of like if he was calling a basketball game. He's like, great strategy. Look how he throws the ball through the hoop here. It's like, no, (laughs) you're not adding anything to this. Uh, So that happens. (laughs) And now we're going to head to the underwater cavern. Yes. I will say, I wanted to make a joke about the Untouchables guy just totally making a joke about crapping his pants. Yes. And the host trying to add some gravitas here, he's alone, and there's a key. Yeah, like, the hosts here are not great. Like, we need, someone should be funny. Like, it's, everything's handled with this way of it being sports. Yes. Instead of coming at it the way you would, say, like, a Wipeout show, where you're kind of, like, poking fun at everybody. Or a Legends of the Hidden Temple, where you'd be like, oh, wow, look at the jump there. That's going to be really impressive in the eyes of Ra, who was watching down (laughs) on these games. Something like that. The idea that everything comes at it from this very, like, straightforward sports aspect doesn't fit what the show is. No. It needs something more to it. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing we get is the dive room. Ooh, dive yes, in. the underwater cavern. Uh, I think this is my favorite thing that they do. I think this is the most interesting. Sure. They basically crawl into a sewer. Like, like they, go, they go down like a sewer uh, pipe. <laughs> they're, not, yeah. they're not Super Mario. Yeah, and we are we are told the water is ice cold. Yeah. But nothing 
We are told the water is ice cold. Nothing about what happens makes us think that. No contestant ever complains about it being cold. Yeah. We never see them get wrapped in a blanket as if hypothermia is a concern. Yeah. This this is the only one that, like, kind of looks dangerous and feels dangerous to me. Yeah. Because it's not just them, like, using sports equipment in a dilapidated prison. They're actually swimming underwater and they have to go, like, through these underwater tunnels. And they're not super long. So it's not like you're going to freak out and run out of air. But it's definitely, like, a concern that, like, you'd have to mentally prepare yourself. Okay, I'm going under something. And someone gets, like, tangled in a net a little bit. Yeah, like, that's... That creates some drama. Yeah, that's in the, uh, the Untouchables team gets tangled in the net. So the Cavaliers do fairly well. Yes. And they do... The other teammates to remain involved yell a lot. Yeah. Which... We established they can't really hear because they're underwater. They're underwater. They come up for air. Yes. But, like, you're coming up for air for a second. And so he comes up. The Cavaliers player, uh, you know, he emerges with time still on the clock. Yes, because this is important. You get as many keys as you can while you're underwater. But you have to return in one minute, 45 seconds. Yeah, if you don't make it out in time, nothing, nothing. counts. You get no keys. So, and interestingly, they count the keys out. In French. In French for some reason. Which at first I didn't understand. I thought they were just making noise. (laughs) But no, they count in French for some reason. Uh, Then... They get eight keys. They get eight keys. Then the other team goes. And they're unable to get out in time. Yeah, they... and But very close. Pink is like, again, only a couple seconds over. But this is also the... Cavaliers, this is the... Like... This is the second time we've seen players go over the time and get nothing. Yeah. It creates, like, a huge gap in the score. Yeah, it's, like, one team gets eight points in this, and the other team gets nothing. And what's especially strange about this is, as he's coming up through the sewer grate, or the sewer, the manhole cover, she's standing, the the female host, Kathy Lee, uh, is standing there with, like, a stopwatch, and she just kind of yells, wait, what happened? What happened? The time was up. He did not make it. The time is up. Yeah. It seems so like slipshot, like no one really knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. That it just, I feel like you should have just reshot that part. Yeah, I mean, this was... In a time where there were fewer extreme sports rea- uh, game shows. True. And I almost feel like they didn't realize they could? No, because this there's a, there's a certain disclaimer I try to pick out of shows like this. And yeah. this one has it, which is uh, parts of the show not affecting the outcome were cut or reshot. Ah, and it does have that disclaimer in the credits. So they could have. Yeah, they, so they probably did for other stuff. They just didn't for this. Uh, the other thing I want to point out about this one in particular is this mechanic of get in there, do a bunch of stuff, and get out on time is just straight up the crystal maze. Yes. Like the, the way the crystal maze works, and this is a good mechanic, is you're locked into a room. You have to do something that gets you a crystal. And get out before time runs out. So there's always this worry of, I don't have enough time to get the crystal. I'm just going to leave. 
Because if you're not out by the time time is up, you get locked in. And the locked in mechanic is your team can either spend a crystal to unlock you or you're eliminated from the game. Yeah. So it's up to your team to decide, well... Are you worth it? Yeah. Are we better off without Beth? (laughs) Which, that's a very interesting mechanic. The fact that it's just like, ah, you lose, is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. It's a a poor version of this. Uh, I also want to say... Oh, that they get—they throw a temper tantrum and they kick the keys all over the place. Yeah, which was fun. Which is fun. That every time they go to uh, the to commercial, we don't have commercials in this rip. But every time they go to commercial, it's like which team will face off against the Bengal Tigers in an attempt to get Napoleon's gold? And I was like, there better be freaking tigers in the show. If someone doesn't get eaten by a tiger... Yeah, this better not be who done it all over again. Yeah, <laughs> Because I turn to Laura and I go, I'm standing here with two-thirds of the untouchables. And I went, no, there's four people on a team. What? How does that math work? <laughs> what do two-thirds look like? Oh, no, the tigers. <laughs> From what I think was the best to what I think was the worst, it's time for the snake pit. Yeah. So in the Snake Pit, it's the exact same game. Yeah, but now there's snakes. But instead of going underwater, there's just snakes. And there's this whole thing that they say where it's like, you're going to go in there, get as many keys as possible. But some of them, they're pretty close to snakes. And basically the girl goes in there, grabs the keys that are easiest to get and bails. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess that's one way to do it. I mean, it's a mood. Yeah. But she gets four of the keys. Yeah, she gets she gets Out of four the five keys. available. So she does well, really. Yeah. Uh, the host says something along the lines of, how are you excited to go into a situation that only Ken Stabler would love? Do you know who Ken Stabler is? No. Ken Stabler is one of the best quarterbacks for the Oakland Raiders. And was known as The Snake. Yeah, I mean, Chris Berman is a sports commentator. So this would be like if you were hosting this and you just kept making jokes about Damien. Yeah, yeah, making lots of, like, Jake the Snake references. I'm, I'm, I really want that moment where you're proud of me for knowing the, the snake's name. Yes, it was Damien. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew. I said it. Yes. Good job, me. Did anyone hear me scold Laura or no, something? I, I'm excited I knew something and something that's outside of my uh, particular uh, field of scholarship, if you will. So uh, the pink team gets all five keys. Yes. So they get five. The yellow team got four. Now, remember, the yellow team had eight in the yeah. left, Or yellow green. They're yellow green. Yeah. Neon. So... They really don't gain much. Yeah, like the lead has shrunk from eight to seven. Like all of this felt very pointless. And then we get the final thing, which is the gauntlet. From the depths to the heights. You start at the courtyard. You sprint down catwalks and suspension bridge. You get a key for each member that makes it across. And then you get the volleyball cannon where you are shooting volleyballs. They're shooting volleyballs at you. The opposing team has one person at a volleyball cannon 
shooting volleyballs at you when you try to go across the, like a suspension bridge. Yeah. Which is an entire event in the Crip Keepers ch- uh, children's game show where you just stood on a bridge and got hit with dodgeballs. <laughs> so I was like, ah, that's, that's very familiar looking. Feels a little wipeouty. It's very wipeouty. And then you have to go up the cargo net to the giant crossbows where if every balloon you break is four keys. Yes. So this is worth up to 29 keys, making this like Quidditch. This yeah. is the golden snitch. You could have eaten a bag of poop on every previous event, but if you win this and the other team does poorly, you could yeah. still win. This is catch-up mechanics. Like, yeah. you don't want to get to this event and already have someone have it locked up, which I understand. I think this is actually very well designed because there's a lot of taking uh, your decision in your own hands. Like, the fact that it's not just you get a key for getting across the suspension bridge, the fact that the other team has the opportunity to actively stop you makes it a good, like, head-to-head competition. Um, And I want to say, at one point, someone falls off the suspension bridge, and Bourbon goes... Craig, he can't make it. Bob didn't make it either. Looks like they greased it. But by the time we get to the final thing with the crossbows, the yellow team, yellow-green team, are winning 20 to 9. Yeah. Because, like, every, it's like, step slaughter. is a key. Yeah, like, you're, they're getting keys throughout this entire thing. And, uh, yeah, the, the Untouchables are super behind. But they're actually able to catch up in this next bit with the, the crossbows. And it's these giant crossbows. They look fun. They look really fun. It's the crossbow that they couldn't put together in the quest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So, I actually really like this mechanic for a couple reasons. Yeah. Each team has six balloons. If you hit a balloon, it's worth four keys. Yes. When there are six balloons, chances are you're going to hit one. Yeah. But as you pop them, there's now less target and less surface area for you to hit. Yeah, so you have... And every, you have a finite number of arrows. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have, say, ten arrows to hit six balloons. Right. So, when you fire that first arrow, chances are you're going to hit something. It's very similar to beer pong. You know when you first start playing beer pong, you throw the ball and it goes into a cup, even though it wasn't the cup you were aiming at? Yeah. Because just because there just- was more area, and then you can't hit the last cup? You're guaranteeing that situation every time. Yes. Because it's going to be the last balloon that's so that's more important, and it's going to be the hardest to hit, and it's going to create the most drama. Yeah. And what ends up actually happening here is somehow the Untouchables, despite the fact that they were behind in the race part the whole time, fire all their arrows first, knock out all of their balloons, and are actually winning. Or tied? They might have only tied it up. Well, what I saw is... Uh, it uh, We... That's not actually what happens. The Cavaliers get there first. Yes. And they are bodying the Untouchables at first. They are 33 to 13, mm-hmm. but they are not... Uh, they don't fire off all their arrows. There is actually some suspense here. However, the Untouchables nail it. Yes. So they, they just kind of... I think I misunderstood what you were saying. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, they, they just keep building. Yeah. 
The, then they get all six balloons and then they just have to kind of stare because they are tied. Yes. The Cavaliers need to get one to win. Yeah. So despite the fact that the Untouchables got there later, yeah. they're able to pop all their balloons first. Yes. So they're able to tie it up and then there's just like a prayer circle yeah. of the they can't even look. of the Untouchables just hoping that the Cavaliers mess up. And that's a, like it created stakes in the end moments of this, when they were getting blown out of the water moments ago. Yeah. That's why I appreciate this catch-up mechanic. However, the Cavaliers get one. Yeah, and then it, the Cavaliers end up winning anyway. So they get to go to the treasure room and win up to $25,000. This is the worst part of the show. Yeah, this is a little bit... Uh, this is a little bit complicated... And I don't think I fully understand it, but I'm going to tell you what I think is the thing that's going on here. Because there's, they get seven keys for the treasure room. There's ten chests. Mm-hmm. The other three keys are hidden in boxes. So you have the chance to not, uh, to not actually be able to open three of the chests if you don't pick the ones that have keys in them. I you could get locked out of. See. That that's not how I interpreted it. First off, it's dumb that it's not the keys you've earned in other uh, events. Like that's the obvious way to do it. You get more keys, you can open more boxes. Duh. My understanding was that only the keys worked for certain boxes, because they go in with this strategy of what they have to do is open the boxes, find gold, and throw it into this thing. And if they throw enough in. They win. Yeah, they need 3,000 coins. Uh, What they end up doing is they give all the keys to this one girl. And once they get one box open, other teammates start, like, grabbing the gold. And she goes around and unlocks all the boxes. Yes. And I was like, that's a great strategy. Hard to follow. Yeah. Because your team's splitting up. (laughs) But a good strategy. And there's a point where they use one of the ladies as a basket. Yeah, she jumps into the one guy's arms and then they try to use her as a bowl? Yes. <laughs> Which, I, I don't know if that was better, but it was definitely funny. Um, but here's, here's like the main components of this that don't work. One, once again, there's no clock. The timer in this are the tigers... Yes. Like, just every once in a while, they're like, the tigers are getting closer. At, like, specific increments, the tigers move a chamber closer. Yeah. (laughs) So the idea is they have to get in and get all this gold out. And if not, they will be locked in and eaten by tigers. Yes. As one does. (laughs) And then they specifically say this. The amount that they're looking for is 3,000 coins or 3,000 pounds or whatever. Yes. They don't know this. So they have no idea how well they're doing. Now, my guess is the reason that they don't do that is so they risk getting locked in. Because if they know they've achieved the goal, there's no, like, diving through the gate at the last second moment. Yeah, because they really want you to think, maybe maybe I'm not going to get enough. Yeah. But, like... We as the audience would like to see progress. Yeah, like, we should get to know. (laughs) I'd like to know if they're doing well or not. Uh, So I think that is pretty dumb. 
Then in like, what is the most unbelievable part of this show? Is they all get out. Yeah. Like the, the one guy like does a cool baseball slide under. Yeah, they do a thing where like the gate is slowly closing so yeah. you can kind of Indiana Jones under it. And they cut to to Bourbon who's like, "All right, this team did really well. Come back after these messages and we will see if they've won the gold." And then you get like the graphic of them going to commercial, the graphing graphic of them coming back, and Bourbon just goes, you did it! It yeah. was enough. There's like, no suspense. No build. There's no, like, magic scale that needs to, like... Yeah! Where they're... Like, I'm picturing a magic... Like, you put it on a scale, and the little, like, scaly do sways. And, yeah. Did you get it? Did you get Ooh. it? And there's, you know, suspenseful music. No, no, no it's just him going, you did Good it. Good job! And <laughs> then... He says something like, you've done it under one condition. Don't spend it all in one place. And Laura just breaks and goes, don't tell me what to do. I did. <laughs> don't know what to do with my life. Really sick of your crap. <laughs> really sick of your crap, Berman. Oh, uh, one of the ti- one of the cameramen doesn't make it. Oh, yeah. We also, like, one of the cameramen appeared to be left behind to be eaten by tigers. <laughs> His sacrifice is greatly valued for this show. Yeah, so people, um, this was panned. People who like Conquer Fort Boyard in its other international uh, incarnations, the U.S. one is not popular. No. No, it's not. It's seen as being a pretty poor imitator of the existing versions, which are wildly successful to this day. Yeah, like, for what this was, the whole time I was thinking of better versions of this show. Yeah. This needs that, you mentioned the quest. This needs that, like, LARPy quality. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily think it should go in that Murder in Small Town X quest, whodunit. Really everything is paved out for you. Mm -hmm. But it needs a little more of that. Like... When the U, when the, uh, the C, what's called the UPN, the CW Legends of the Hidden Temple Mm -hmm. looks good compared to this, you have a problem. Yeah, like, it needs just a through line. Like, I kept thinking of Masters of the Maze. You know what Masters of the Maze is, right? Yes. Yeah, hosted by the hometown boy, J.D. Roth. And... How, How did he do in our game show tier list? We're, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about, Master, we're talking about Masters of the Maze. Masters of the Maze was a show I watched every day because I loved it, but it was super repetitive. But it at least had that through line of story of like, you're trying to become the master of the maze. If, what is being conquered in this? <laughs> like if you're conquering Fort Boyard. Debt? What, yeah, what, what is being defeated? <laughs> the clock you can't see? So, so yeah, this that's that's Conquer Fort Bayard. It's incredibly, it's an cr- incredibly popular franchise. It's very interesting. I, I keep thinking about Taskmaster in that it's something that just has not found that level of popularity in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that it enjoys worldwide. Uh, there are two English language uh, video games that have been released quite recently following these mechanics. Yeah, I was considering grabbing that and playing it on Twitch. 
Uh, it's why I brought it up so that we could yeah. foreshadow you potentially doing that. I'm gonna play it on Twitch. Uh, yeah, there's there's two. There's Escape Game Fort Boyard, and then there's Fort Boyard 2022. Oh, maybe I'll grab those. So the the thing I, I just want to bring up is it's so interesting how you can just take something. Like, incomplete. It's not like you're like, we're going to do our own version or like, we're going to take these concepts and make our own show. You're just full on just taking the show and putting it in English, ideally. Yeah. And it just failing. There is another one of these I want to bring up that hopefully we can find one day. Uh, There is an American version of Takashi's uh, Castle. Do you know what that is? No, I was literally looking it up. Takashi's Castle, you might know in America as Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Oh. They made an American version of it. And this is not the one that they shot in Universal Studios with Tony Hawk. This just randomly, I remember seeing it on ABC, where it was just like, who can conquer Takashi's Castle? And it was just an American version of it. And it sucks. (laughs) I just, I really hope we can find it one day. But it's interesting that just like culturally. It's it's not the Japanese version dubbed over in English. No. Okay. This is a new pilot that, also it seems to me like anytime we try to do an American version of something, we had jet skis. Because there was a lot of jet skis in what I remember of this show. Was it called King of the Mountain? Maybe. I remember at the end them being like, join us next time to see who will conquer Takashi's castle. And being like, ooh, I will. This show seemed interesting. But compared to MXC, it's nothing. Uh, Just the fact that, like, culturally, we're all so different that trying to take something completely and just copy and paste and put in America, it'll fail just because we're different culturally. And, like, the way our contestants react in these situations is not as entertaining as they would in France or Japan. Yeah. So that's all I have to say. Any Anything you'd like to add to this? Uh, I want to say we did make the conscious choice to really focus on the U.S. pilot. Right. Because since this is part of a much, much, much larger franchise, uh, we could not pretend to, in our format, comprehensively cover the entire franchise. Right. And that's something I wanted to kind of set up because I know that there is so much to this world. Right. That I did want to kind of explain that, like, it was not, for our distinct format, we didn't want to go too far into the lore Mm -hmm. of other TV shows, essentially. I don't know why they didn't just set it in Alcatraz. I don't either. Like, I mean, you would lose the Foyt Boyard name, but I think, you know, Escape from Alcatraz sounds like a much better show for America. I I found... It was called King of the Mountain. And I found it. The United States Takeshi's Castle. So, I found it. Excellent. uh, That's definitely something we could do in the future. Cool. So, what's your verdict? Uh, I'm giving this a stay doomed. I don't think it's, like, horrendous. But it's one of those shows where there's not enough here for me to be like, oh, I need to see this again. Like, I know how these shows work, and I know I will be seeing, like, like American Gladiators. Like, 
every new episode of American Gladiators, you saw some of the same games right. and some new games. Much and like global, much like Nickelodeon like Guts. Guts, like all those things. Which Nickelodeon Guts aired between the filming and airing of this show. <laughs> That's so silly. the show filmed in 1991. Guts appears in 19 in the summer of 92, which means that by the time. The special aired on ABC. It looks like a copycat. Yeah, it had missed its chance to be the leader in elastic sports. Yep. Uh, but when watching that, there's like games that you enjoy and you hope to see again. And then there's surprises of like, oh, this is a new thing. Cool. There was no game in this that I was like, ooh, I can't wait to see this again. And then their ending, which was the gauntlet, which is, you know their Eliminator or their Agrocrag yes. is not interesting enough. I like the mechanics of it, but visually it is not interesting enough for it to be like this big thing that I would stay to watch the whole thing through so I could see the gauntlet. It's just, it's not bad, but it's not better than all the things that were on TV at the time. Yeah. So it, it just, I don't see its value in sticking around. I agree. So it's a stay doomed for you as well. I yes, uh, I think it's, I think it's something that feels like writer strike filler. Interestingly, yeah, like, it feels like filler to me. It's not very good. Um, I, it's not very good. So yeah. it's a stay doomed for me. Yep. So uh, Noah. Yes. What are we watching next? What are you watching? Yeah, you're not watching anything. Laura's going on a work trip. Actually, our next episode is likely to be an on the road. Oh yeah, yeah. So next we'll have an on the road, uh, Magfest baby. Magfest baby. Uh, so uh, if you're one of our wonderful patrons, uh, we'll be asking for questions so we can talk to you, to you guys through the magic of podcasting, because uh, we're going to be super busy this week. Uh, and then Laura has a work trip. Whoop, whoop. So I will be doing on my own, as chosen by our wonderful patrons, Blood Drive, a show that Laura refused to watch. Agreed. So I will be watching it alone. Uh, maybe I'll try to find a guest to come talk about it with me, but probably not. So that's going to do it for this episode. Where can be? Oh, be sure to sign up for our Patreon before I forget. Sign up for our Patreon. It's Patreon Appreciation Month. We appreciate you. Yeah. And uh, you get to be on our Discord and talk to us and uh, also have effects on what we cover here on the show. And thank you to Matthew for being a fantastic patron. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. And if you want to conquer Fort Boyard with me, I'm at Plus2Comedy on Twitter. And if you would like us to someday soon explore what it's like to be king of the mountain... I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.